0: Hello and welcome. I am William Morgan and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and TheSyncBook.com. A weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and we suggest you liking the SyncBook Facebook page to stay in the loop of everything going on. If you have a question or a comment about the show, send us an email at TheSyncBook at gmail.com. Today, for this special bonus edition of the podcast, we're going to reopen the old case files and reconsider if everything isn't a conspiracy after all.
1: Good morning, Douglas Bowles here, and today on 42 Minutes, we have the pleasure of meeting Kirby Ferguson, writer, editor... Director, Mr. Ferguson is the filmmaker best known for creating the popular online video series Everything is a Remix, which has been highly praised and viewed over 1.5 million times. For the past seven years, Mr. Ferguson has been an independent video producer working with the likes of the Discovery Channel, Pivot TV, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Ferguson is also a public speaker who has appeared at the TED Conference, the Festival of Dangerous Ideas, South by Southwest, Google, and dozens of other venues. He is currently working on a political series, This is Not a Conspiracy Theory, which completed a successful Kickstarter campaign in 2012. This Is Not a Conspiracy Theory is a feature documentary released in installments and distributed on the internet to subscribers. His work is very fun, and we recommend that you become a subscriber. More information about the work and about Mr. Ferguson can be found at thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com. We are honored to be speaking with him today. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you
2: doing Good morning, today? guys. I'm great. How are you guys? We're, we're good. You're cold. Well, one of you is there. <laughs> Denver is yes, cold. Boise is cool, yes. but not cold. I'm wet, wet, <laughs> well, it's wet and snowy. Yes.
1: So lately, our program has been speaking with a number of individuals involved in alternative media and independent production. Can you briefly sketch your relationship to media journalism and describe your normal media diet a little? Uh, I'm
2: primarily a, a book reader. I'm a, I'm a book guy. Uh, I love the web. I love to contribute to the web, but I do consider it a bit of a, still a bit of a, a runt genre. I think you know it, there's a lot of junk on it. It's not very trustworthy frequently, uh, and I find books to just be kind of a higher caliber experience generally. So uh, books are, are kind of my my favorite thing. Um, was there a first part of that question? What was the first part of that? I hate two-part questions. I always <laughs> No, it's just uh,
1: your relationship to media and journalism and then all three. Yeah. yeah.
2: Media is a huge deal to me. I mean, I grew up in, um, in a very small town uh, in eastern Canada. And, uh, you know, it was, it was lonely being a kid there, you know, being a kid with um, a bit of talent and, and a bit of ambition and, um, you know, some unusual interests. It was, you know, there weren't many uh, peers that, that shared these things. So media was a big deal. Media was the thing that, um, that showed me how to live, you know. It was this, this amazing stuff that came from these heroic figures from elsewhere, and uh, you know, it, it meant a lot to me as as a very young person and and as a teenager, and I, I mean, I think that's why I became a media creator because I was, you know, uh, uh, an isolated kid out in uh, you know small town Canada, and um, you know, media meant a lot to me, and it helped me become you know the person that I that I wanted to be.
1: And part of that person is is the idea of due diligence and in looking into claims that are put out by both the mainstream media. But I'm wondering how, you know, you kind of already touched on this, but what media is doing now that we're seeing memes spread so fast with uh, social media? Yeah, and, and like the idea of Snopes.com, which is kind of a, yeah. a watchdog site. But then, you know, does yeah. anybody snope? Snopes.com. <laughs> <laughs> Who
2: snopes the snoper? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is a it is a wild era right now because it's still uh, despite the fact that it's not. It's funny. It's kind of uh, I guess uh, maybe it's even wilder than it used to be because um, now there's social media. Now anybody you don't even have to build a website. Now you can just get out there on on Twitter and and Facebook and Google Plus and whatever, and you can um, you know you can start saying wild stuff, and then this stuff can circulate really rapidly. Um, so it's definitely it's a funny transitional sort of era that we're in, where you know we lost the gatekeepers, and that's good in, in plenty of different ways. You know the goodkeeper, the gatekeepers, um, you know definitely uh, restricted what we could what we could see and experience, uh, and who could say whatever they wanted to say. So now we've got you know this 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 richness that is also very chaotic and full of uh, nonsense. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we have yet to, we haven't quite developed, um, you know, ways to deal with, with nonsense, uh, in, in this era. And it's, it's not clear yet that it even matters that much to, to a lot of folks. Uh, I'm hoping it does. Um, and I'm trying to do, trying to do my part, but it is a, it's a funny little stage that we're in where things can, can, uh, circulate so quickly and where, there's nobody, the, the people that are putting the ideas out there aren't really making an effort to be critical about their own work. They're just kind of spewing the stuff out there. Um, so it's, it's a wild time.
1: Definitely, yeah. It seems normal for aspiring alternative and independent creators to talk about, uh, you know, technical matters, equipments, tools, and software, but I wonder if you could mm-hmm. speak to your intellectual process a little bit, you know, open your studio and, you know, how how do you go about researching a topic or you know what yeah what is that process like
2: it's really chaotic um again there's a lot of books involved um uh this is actually a good time to ask me this i'm just sort of coming out of you know that like the series just launched so i it the, the memory of of going through this this stuff is pretty fresh um but there was a period of i don't know maybe a year after i did the kickstarter campaign where things were really uh, really chaotic, uh, where things are just wide open, you know the project can go any which way, and there 's lots of uh, redundancy in in what i 'm doing there 's lots of false leads, you know I follow something, and it just doesn 't end up being anything lots of exploration um, you know through books through the web through through any sort of media uh, I can get uh, and then gradually it just sort of you, you end up creating boundaries you know i I end up deciding okay it 's it's an apple <clears throat> or it's an orange at this point, you know, and it's got a basic shape. Uh, and then I can, can narrow in from there, but it took a good year of just kind of exploration all over the place. Very inefficient, very chaotic. I don't know that there's any, I don't think there's any way uh, around that when you, when you're trying to, to find a story. So it was, you know, really crazy for uh, a good year. Then I created boundaries and I started to organize the, uh, the stuff that I had been accumulating and, and throwing stuff out. And uh, I use a couple of programs on the Mac that, that helped me a lot. I use a program called Scrivener, which is a beautiful um, writing application. It lets you create all sorts of little documents, text documents, and kind of shuffle them and merge them together and stuff. It's sort of like having a, a digital um, index card box you can reshuffle you know at will. It's very nice. Uh, and then there's a program called DevonThink. Which I use for for research. Uh, I just it's sort of a it's a way that you can uh, create a little library uh, of stuff that you have found, and I put uh, you know lots of stuff from the web and all my book highlights and all that stuff goes in there. So during this you know during this wild phase, <clears throat> I do make sure to you know take lots of notes, uh, collect everything. Uh, I don't fuss too much about organizing it. I just sort of grab it all, uh, and then I end up uh, tidying it up later and and organizing it and starting to to build something with it.
1: And so you, primarily you've done the research for the, the new series, but as far as writing scripts and setting out the uh, segments, yeah. you're not quite there yet.
2: Yeah, for sure. I I, I, well, I mean, I've done, I don't know, maybe 60% of the way through the research. I have the big picture of, of what it is, but I don't. When I write the segments, I'm going to have to do more research to, to drill down, I'm sure. Um, and I have... You know, I have an outline of where things are going. I have segments written, uh, but there's still lots of lots of dark patches where things are, are not sorted yet, for sure. So I'm writing the the second part right now and hoping to have a script in uh, I don't know,
0: maybe six weeks. Cool. Well, let's talk about the differences between
2: this and <clears throat> your your previous work. Yeah, yeah. But between this and everything, is it a remix?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's specifically right. what I was talking about. Yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Everything is Remix um, was about, it went through a very similar process, uh, but I had a job at the time um, when I started it. And uh, I I don't remember uh, how it evolved quite so much because I was like doing other things at the same time. But it was basically a way for me to kind of grapple with um, notions of originality, which was you know a big thing when I was uh, a kid. I felt like you had to be original, and if you weren't, do- if you were doing stuff that was just really derivative and, and just like what everybody else was doing, then there was, you know, then what are you doing? You're you're not any good. You don't have any talent. These were things that sort of haunted me for for uh, uh, well into my twenties, I would say. Um, so
0: so, who did you steal the idea for the series from?
2: <laughs> uh let me think. William uh, S-, S. Burroughs, just throwing that out let, there maybe. Let me, he he was he was in he's in the first part, yeah. Uh I, I don't know that I got the premise from a single person, but I definitely it's patched together from lots of different people, that that's for sure. I, I don't claim that uh I'm I'm above this process. <laughs> uh, there was it was a way for me to um Well like know,
0: Burroughs, it seems like you're encouraging it. I mean, the Burroughs yeah. said, steal everything that's not nailed down. I mean, steal everything that you can get your hands on. I mean, you're of the that's same true. mind, then.
2: Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, I so think So what do you feel
0: off. about copy, copyright laws and everything? Do you think that these are a hindrance as far as like our creative evolution goes?
2: No, I, I don't think that they should be uh, abolished. Uh, I think they're a bit restrictive right now. I think the copyright term is too long. Uh, it has come a, a fair ways in the past, e- even since the the series started, which was four years ago. Um, people have loosened up about with their notions about what you can and can't do with their media, because they understand that it, it it can actually help what you're doing. When people are, you know, creating memes and stuff out of out of your TV show or whatever, that that actually uh, helps you, helps your bottom line. So a lot has changed in the past. Four years, but I, I do think copyright is necessary. Otherwise, uh, there's no incentives to create things, and people can just uh, knock off immediately everything that comes out by by these you know these brave souls who are actually making new stuff. You know, as soon as it comes out, the whole world's gonna knock it off and circulate it. And it's just it's a crappy system. So I think you need there needs to be some sort of of short term uh, exclusivity that people have. I'm not into abolishing uh, copyright.
1: Well, it seems like there's two sets of rules that we have two the old old world media, which, yeah. you know, it's clearly defined. And then the newer the newer world's fast and loose. Do you do you see them coming together or do you think we'll just kind of transition mm-hmm. out of the older rules?
2: I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say. Um, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm very hesitant to make any sorts of uh, predictions. Um, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> it's just happening too quickly. I tend to think maybe like a streaming sort of model is probably. Uh, there's more of that in, in our future, probably, uh, like the Spotify's and, and stuff yeah. like that, like getting getting your media through. So it do, it kind of doesn't exist. In a in the same way, like like Netflix and and Spotify, uh, like the actual media is harder to uh, to circulate. I, I think there there'll probably be more of that.
1: Yeah, so we're moving from like object to
2: flow. And yeah, more like a TV station kind well, of. Well, and
1: that leads me to a question about. It seems like the nature of things now is so ephemeral, but at the same time. You know, it's we keep it all. So all our garbage, we just keep building a pile. But, you know, part of this is that we can quantify all this communication and then monetize it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about net neutrality and this handful of large corporations that want to control and charge us for that data flow?
2: Yeah, I mean, naturally, I'm a full supporter of net neutrality. I'm not up on the latest news right now. Uh, but I, I definitely think it's 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 mandatory. I mean, it simply has to be that 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 pipe that these things are coming through has got to be just a neutral pipe. Uh, you know, what's in it shouldn't be the concern of of corporations. Um, I don't have much further to say about it than that, though.
1: We could go <laughs> into conspiracy with that, <laughs> because you know, corporations. They're, yes, there are those who uh, want to think that someone is controlling the flow but maybe in light of that it would be interesting to talk about like the creepiness of the ios 7 iphone update what, what did you think
2: <laughs> of that uh in what regards
1: well so like that could be taken as a paranoid conspiracy moment where a, a big chunk of the population all of a sudden had their operating system changed the look and the feel of their lives you know, the way they were used to it, completely changed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Apple is all about, uh, you know, controlling your experience. uh, And for the most part, people like that. You know, they they like that that somebody with design sensibility and with uh, a a user-friendly vantage point cares about these things. Uh, You know, I think most people uh, uh, like that. Uh, but the flip side of it is that they do what they want to do, you know. <laughs> and if you don't like it, uh, you are stuck. You're, you're stuck with iOS seven. There's there's no getting out. Um, whereas on a platform like Android, if you don't like the way it looks, you can fiddle with it and and make it look the way that you want it to look. So it's kind of there's always this kind of flip. There's always this um, you know tension between centralized control, which can make things you know uh, operate more more nicely and kind of chaotic. The chaos of of decentralization, which can be very, uh, very messy and hard, difficult to to understand.
1: Yeah. And then there's the troubling recent news item about the text message that was sent to protesters in the Ukraine and they could identify them by the fact that they had a smartphone. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, I, I might have that wrong, but, you know, that's kind of both. the the beauty of the technology and the the scariness
2: yeah i mean privacy is definitely um we're we're in realms that we have definitely never been in before and uh you know i think people are definitely uh justified in being very concerned about this stuff because uh you know it's not it's not a real issue now it's not like people are getting we don't have you know uh, mock trials going on. Right, there aren't people being thrown in jail. There aren't people being disappeared in these sorts of horrible situations. Because things are basically mm-hmm. still pretty good in in, in our world. But uh, you've got to make sure that you know when, when if things get worse, that you know that sort of control isn't there because it uh, it can get used for for the wrong reasons. Snowden. Snowden. Yeah. Just Brandt. Is that is that <laughs> yeah. just, just go? Yes. Uh yeah, I mean he a very uh influential figure. I think he's very historically important. He's, he's, we're gonna remember him. Um uh I I don't know. Without a little more direction, I don't know what Wait, else to in, say. In, no. I'm in, certainly in, in I I support uh what how he much
0: is. of a conspiracy theorist are you?
1: I'm not. I'm not a
0: conspiracy. At all. No.
1: And then no. <laughs> how many different conspiracies did you investigate in the process of your research?
2: Any specifics? Uh, yeah, I mean, I looked into JFK a reasonable amount. I looked into the 9-11 truth movement a fair amount. And I looked into sillier ones um, a little bit, like the moon landing hoax. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, those are what spring into mind. But I have basic familiar, familiarity with with a lot of them. Um, and just generally speaking, I, I generally speaking, they're wrong. Uh, and if it's if it's right, it's not a conspiracy theory. I think that's did you, the did way you that allow
0: I yourself? Did you allow yourself to entertain the notion? Though I mean, yeah, of course. Did you put that your yourself in the headspace of? See, the thing that's interesting to me about conspiracy theories is I don't think I'm necessarily a conspiracy theory, but I soak that stuff up. It's almost like it's it's a it's a an, an indulgence almost.
1: Yeah, I mean it's fun. Did you find some compelling arguments along the way?
2: Um not not generally. Um I, I mean there's certainly valid points. There, there's truth within most conspiracy theories. And uh there certainly are, are are good points. The the JFK conspiracy theorists, the early ones, um, you know, there are plenty of credible arguments in there because the, the investigation was so botched and it was so uh, so many mistakes were made, and and uh, people did try to to cover up these these errors that they had made. Um, and and the Warren report was kind of ideologically guided. They wanted it. They did want it to be one guy. They wanted it to be Lee Harvey Oswald, and that you know people could could sense that from it. But it ended up being true. It it really was one guy. Um, so there's certainly you know there, there's elements within many of them, but I, I'm not aware of a single conspiracy theory that is uh, true. I, I think that's too broad of a definition, man. Well, I mean, for me, if it's if I if it's a conspiracy theory, it's not true. I, I think that's the way that I look at it. If it if it's a conspiracy, if it's real, if it's real, it's a conspiracy. Then it's Watergate. Then it's the Iran Contras. Mm. It's it's real at that point. It's not a theory. Conspiracy theory is a genre, you know? It's not It's not just a theory about a conspiracy. It's not just those kind of stuck together. It's a genre. But it's what about, like, the Bay of
0: in... Pigs? What about, like, the Bay of Pigs? I mean, the that would have been... Pigs. Yeah. Sorry. The,
2: that <laughs> The emphasis was just... I found funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Bay of Pigs is, it was a failed invasion. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory.
0: Well, it was in a way. It could have been considered conspiracy theorists by, like, say, the Cubans at first when they're presenting it and saying, "Hey, you know, the United States did this," and the United States says, "No, we didn't." And then, you know, Fidel Castro slides over a photo, going, "Hey, you know, that's an American plane painted to look like one of our planes. You actually did." I don't know.
2: This. I don't know. I mean, by my, I, I don't know that much about the Bay of Pigs, but.
0: Well, that I'm just saying before, that it, that's was, it was a cover up
2: before assassination, so it's well, yeah, I mean a cover up's not a conspiracy theory though. And that's before JFK's assassination, so that's sort of to me that's pre uh that's pre-conspiracy theory history. That that's before the the conspiracy theory really came into its modern form, I think. So
1: you're not going to look at the uh, Titanic
2: sinking as a false flag event. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's that's fresh on me (laughs) welcome to our world (laughs) nowadays that that would be that would be the story
1: it would be it would be so i mean so like i've also heard that uh jesus was a uh, conspiracy theory that there was a roman cover-up oh Oh, really
0: that's true that's (laughs) that happened who knows the romans (laughs) actually moved the stone themselves and then said it was jesus and told everybody put out jesus propaganda and then the whole constant, I'm never just totally from the hip on that.
1: What if we took it a different direction? So, you know, one of the things that you're highlighting with your work, you know, in the remix series is the interdependence of creativity. And that that you're showing the connection of the individuals in the society and how we all contribute to the advances or the, uh, the newness of the things that are created. Mm-hmm. And then speak about that in light of the zeitgeist of the twenty twelve phenomenon and then you have Eckhart Tolle's Now, the All Connected Now and Silicon Valley's Singularity. You know, what do you yeah. make of of that uncanny yeah, I mean, little moment?
2: I mean that's what that's what attracts me to to the conspiracy theory is this this at least it attempts to to connect things and to find it tries to find a, a hidden order behind events with, just like science does. Uh, and i admire that about it like at least it, at least it has that that interest um so i find that i find that endearing about the conspiracy theory but then i think the way that they get there generally is that they uh overestimate the power of of individuals um and they think you know very complex social events are can can be orchestrated um but at least they at least they're they're, they're taking a try they're ta- they're taking a shot at it and i think that's i think that's that's a, a direction that we need to be going in we need to be looking for we need to be using network theory and complexity science and um you know systems thinking to to be in big data to be looking at you know these larger patterns so that we can understand this this interdependence that we have with 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 each other i think that's you know that's the way forward
1: what kind of i Sometimes recognize a powerlessness in the in the feelings of the people needing to explain sky gods something. There's
0: there's, there's a reason why the storms there. There's a reason why there's lightning.
1: What contrails? Know, you know I I you know what is going on in my world? I feel powerless and I need a narrative to explain it. Sure. But then on another level, there is you know a one percent who
2: own. Most yep. of everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's what can make it – that's part of its allure is that, you know, conspiracies naturally do happen. Uh, powerful people do have uh, excess influence. Sometimes there are uh, economic – you know, inequality is, is rising. Um, you know, there are – there is ample evidence out there to make you think that, you know, the, that the game is rigged. So, uh, you know, th- there are parts of it are real, you know, and I think that's what can make it uh, very confusing for people. It's just I think the the reasons behind these events are much more complex than just some somebody is willing it to be.
1: As far as your research goes, you've kind of tapped into this idea of a human operating system that we maybe unconsciously created, but that is kind of running the world. Yeah.
2: Uh, sort of i, I uh, yeah i mean i don 't know that I would i mean this part of the this is from the this stuff will come up in the last maybe third of of the film mm-hmm. so it 's not i don 't have it i don 't have it well developed really but it 's basically a, mm-hmm. an attempt to popularize uh, ideas from from complexity science from from network theory um, you know from from some realms of of economics, sort of macro views of of what is going on. But clearly, um, you know, we can recognize that there are, there are behaviors that happen in societies that are like behaviors that you would see in a storm, let's say. Like there's, there's, there is a general systems – there's generalized ways that, that systems work um, and there's, there's things that we know about that. So that, that's, that's something that I, that I will be exploring. There's ways that, um, you know, complex – that complexity Works. There's ways that that a financial crash is like a storm. There's ways that they that they are the same, uh, and it doesn't really, you know. And and if you're in that situation, you you are stuck. If things are going down, you you are stuck in that situation. Um, but I think that if we understand the larger uh, complexity at work, uh, we we can fare better with dealing with these situations.
1: Are you generally? Optimistic or pessimistic about the future? We talked to Douglas Rushkoff right. last fall, or maybe in right. the summer, and he's kind of pessimistic about you know where yeah. the world's headed.
2: Yeah, um, I guess I'm, I'm not optimistic about the environment. Uh, I, I don't see that that situation is really being addressed head-on, and I think it's going to to get worse. And I think the you know th- i mean that's an example of conspiratorial notions really causing real harm like climate change is real it's caused by carbon this is the consensus of the vast majority uh of of environmental scientists like the, the jury's in it it's done uh it's real um so by using sort of the kind of the trickery of of conspiratorial notions you know that that this sort of stuff can be manufactured that these you know 8000 peer reviewed papers or whatever are, you know can be you know guided by ideology or, or whatever it can be a hoax somehow is really uh, profoundly damaging. So uh, I, I wandered off track a bit, but environmentally, I'm, I'm not optimistic. I think things will will get better and we won't really address it until things start getting uh, fairly bad. But that doesn't mean that that we have to be – our lives have to suck. I, I think I'm optimistic about how we will fare in these situations. I, I don't see that we have to be – even if we have less, even if we can't travel so much, if we have less access to energy, I don't see any reason why we can't be happier. Maybe that would be good. Maybe that would be a better life. Who knows? I, I tend to think – we can make do with a lot less. Clearly, we can make do with uh, a lot less. If that ends up being our future, I, I think we can we can have good lives in in that era. So I think I'm I think I'm optimistic about how we will fare with these situations. But the environmentally, in, in particular, I'm I'm not optimistic about where we're headed.
0: We've already touched on this a little bit. But how are you as far as uh, the optimism or pessimism as uh, with technology in mind? I mean, are we going in the right directions as far as technology is concerned?
2: Again, it's really hard to say. I mean, because we don't know what's what's coming. Um, I think there's lots of. uh, I'm generally, I generally am optimistic about technology. I I generally think that um, it allows us to communicate more freely, um, directly with each other. It decentralizes communication, which I, I really like. Um, and I think it makes us more powerful, generally speaking, you know, a, a computer and a smartphone, these things make you more powerful, they they make you more efficient, you're able to do more with them. So generally speaking, I, I think these things uh, are a gain, I'm sure. But everything comes with its flip side, right? Like, uh, you know, like privacy is, is a flip side now that comes with carrying around these, you know, web enabled, GPS enabled gadgets with you uh, everywhere. Um, so there's always going to be the, the negative that comes with the positive, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm optimistic about technology and I'm optimistic well, that we, that we will, that there will be, uh, technologies that will emerge in the next 20 or 30 years or whatever, that nobody saw company coming, that, that the biggest pessimists about, you know, where we're headed, uh, did not see coming there, you know, uh, new sources of energy or whatever, you know, things will emerge that nobody saw coming and then will change everything utterly. That's why predictions are such a, such a. A loser's game, such a loser right. bet. You know, like you'll never get it right because there should come in that you just do not know about.
1: Huh? And so you definitely <laughs> believe that there are more blank slates, as you
2: more blank slates. What do you mean? You that?
1: called the uh, the iPhone kind of this blank slate product, where right. it was just yeah. pure novelty when it fresh, hit yeah. the hit the market.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I think you know, wearable tech is it might be a place where these. I clearly, it's going to be you know, you're you're going to have contact lenses that. Have a, a user interface in them that, and it's operated by your mind. Uh, you know, clearly the, these things will will happen at some point. Um, so yeah, there, there's new stuff. I mean, I think this era of the the little computer, little touch interface thing that 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 is a phone that you carry around the smartphone. The smartphone era, I think, is not probably just going to be a blip because let's face it, it, it has a lot of limitations. You know, it's really small. You have to operate it with your finger, which is which is a problem. Uh, which is pretty a pretty crude way to operate something, right? Uh, right. So I think there'll be, you know, I, I I tend to think there'll be something better that comes along uh, in the reasonably near future.
1: Hmm. You know, maybe we'll slide over into filmmaking now. Um, you know, yeah, speaking about tools, because yeah. so in the seventies you had. People with access to turntables, records, and microphones, and then they're, you know, this is what they have on hand, and then they create a culture of appropriation by, you know, isolating the best part of a song and utilizing that to create their own thing, mm-hmm. yep. you know? And so, you know, we have this whole culture born out, but now, nowadays, the thing that people have is access to, you know, so everything's been digitized, and so you have the whole world of the world at your fingertips to recontextualize Mm -hmm. i'm just curious if you've ever seen what we call sync filmmaking
2: no what's that
1: well so this is it's this same idea it's just so uh young people they have access to editing software and then a palette of movies that they've watched their whole lives and so they recontextualize what's fascinating to me is I've recognized this is kind of a way of telling stories in in filmmakers like yourself, Rodney Asher, Adam Curtis, where you're taking clips that immediately translate the essence of an idea, compressing the storytelling into like an archetype.
0: And showing a certain connection that might not have been obvious before. So going outside of the film, a great example of this would be, say, the actor Kevin Costner. I'm going to mention him because he's in JFK, right? So it's very heavy as far as, you know, being connected to John F. Kennedy. Well, he was also (laughs) in the movie, also in the movie, what was it, 13 Days or whatever, where he's Uh like, you know, he's walking with the Kennedy brothers. So he's both, if you mix the movies together, he's both, he's right there in the Kennedy's face. He's he's there before and after. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that's that's how you would set up a sync film, by chopping it up like that and using both movies as one movie. And you can do it on a broader scale with a bunch of different actors,
2: and it just gets so really it, heady. If, is it like a stuff. live thing, or do people – is it edited, or do it, people it, is it, it a live it, performance? I
1: kind of get the impression that it reflects something in their own personality. The things that they're mm-hmm. drawn to and then recombined tell – tell us so if everything kind of is garbage now how do we how do we find meaning in a culture of garbage
2: oh i don't think everything is garbage why why would it why would everything be garbage
1: it's well i guess there's yeah, Doug, so much garbage is what
2: i'm saying <laughs> sorry what
1: i guess what i'm saying is there is so much garbage there is plenty of garbage
2: yeah um i mean i think you can you can recontextualize it like um you know a friend of mine some buddies of mine they have a site called wreck and salvage, and you know that's the spirit of it it's This stuff is junk, and we chop it up and we make new better stuff out of it uh so I mean I think that's part of the spirit of, of what's going on it's like let's take this stuff and you can you know you can have a satirical point with with how you put it together you can you you can it, it can be critical. Um so you take this stuff that is sort of worthless um but has some sort of resonance to it you know has like it has emotion it it does communicate uh ideas but you can put it together in ways that it was never intended to go together uh and you can you can make statements that are that potentially are substantial they generally are not but uh that at least can be yeah and intention
1: you know is if you, that, of course intention matters you know what you're trying to say right. whether it's yeah. just you're trying to make someone giggle or if you really are trying to say that you know there's some spiritual connectedness or whatever but i'm just wondering right. if you if you think if you can recognize any zeitgeisty type patterns in documentary filmmaking
2: um not at the moment i mean it doesn't seem like a a really I mean, there's definitely the, 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 the there's a bunch of us who are sort of the sort of Adam Curtis's children, I think, um, like me and you mentioned Rodney. Uh, what's his last name? Asher. Have Have You seen Room two three seven? I have seen. Yeah, that that's sort of a conspiracy conspiracy theorist's uh, that is a playground. Sync video. That it one. is. Yeah, that's a sync video. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah we kind just, of,
0: kind just of. That so like he's using. Yeah. He's he's actually he's got this. What does he call it? The mega mix. Which is interesting because it implies remix, but he's gone through because sync videos are mostly an internet phenomenon. I mean, they're done by average people on the internet, and so he's Mm -hmm. taken a whole bunch of them, whether they be, you know, involving conspiracy. Some of them actually do because so it you make a sync video and you're basically implying that that has some intention, like it was done on purpose, and -hmm. then he'll just he'll mix them together. And so he just calls it a mess. It's like an hour long of just all of these conspiracy theories mixed with movie scenes, and it's just madness. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet, of course. I've only heard about it, but
2: Mm. yeah, me neither. So there is this. There is this. uh, There there are these remixy sort of people um, that are that are making documentaries. Um, There's some of us doing that, but generally speaking i I don't know i I haven't seen a lot of i haven't seen many interesting documentaries lately Hmm. well Mm. because
1: i know i really take to that style the kind of what there's just something so light and fun and it just makes you smile as both the the visual cues and the music are communicating you know this well and
2: i think it's I think it's like uh it's sort of a depiction of how any sort of media saturated person thinks, you know, like your consciousness can can sort of become this patchwork of other sorts of, uh, of of ideas from from films and books and TV and stuff like that. Like these things become part of our consciousness. You know, we we make quotes and references to to these films and shows and stuff. So, you know, it it sort of simulates the sensation of being a media saturated person. Uh, in the 21st century, I think.
1: And, you know, it, that's just how mythologies kind of are built, too, organically. Yes. Yeah. Um. But, you know, what I asked Rodney when I talked to him was, how the heck do you pull that off without getting sued? And he was, you know, I'm, I'm curious about you. Have Have you experienced any problem with some of the different clips that you're quoting? With everything he's reading? Yeah. Or even in... Or the new one? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, everything is remixed. I just I didn't ask permission. I didn't ask permission, and I just put it out there. And then I didn't I did not sell it. Like there's never been DVDs or anything of everything is remixed. It's just free. So really, the worst. I mean, this isn't a rule, but the worst that would happen in a situation like that is that somebody would tell you to remove the clip. Probably that you certainly can't get sued. There's nothing preventing anybody from doing that. But generally speaking, the worst that's going to happen is somebody's going to tell you to to. And then the new one I got, uh, I I have have lawyers. Uh, I got, um, you know, everything's remixed. It made the rounds in in the in the the field of copyright. So I got uh, some lawyers stepped up, and uh, I pro bono lawyers who did a fair use analysis of this is not a conspiracy theory. They'll do you know each one before it comes out. So in the end, I get a letter from them saying that you know we think this is this is all fair use.
1: And so when do you think we can expect the next installment?
2: I am aiming for, what was it? July. I'm hoping July.
1: And can you give us a sneak peek sure. about what this one's going to be?
2: yeah, the next one will probably go back to the founding of the United States and the uh, scientific revolution. I, I'm, I'm the, the title that I, that I have in mind for it is revolutions because it's about the American Revolution and the Scientific Revolution because I think those mm-hmm. ideas, uh, you know, a lot of our our modern American ideas about causality, uh, come from that era. like when you read th- when you read some of what was said back then, um either in the you know in the 1700s with the scientific revolution or uh, or in the 1600s with the scientific revolution or the 1700s with uh with the founding fathers like it is fresh stuff like it is still you know these ideas die hard they hang around they do not just they do not just vanish and even when, people, you know, even when people don't know Jack Squat about Isaac Newton or about George Washington or whoever, like, their ideas are in your head because these people, you know, their, their influence is profound. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's where I'll we'll probably start with the scientific revolution and uh, the American revolution because I think those are, are profoundly influential eras and you can still clearly see uh, their stamp on, on culture now.
1: Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us.
2: My
0: pleasure. You bet. Hey, you've been listening to Kirby Ferguson on SyncBook Radio, a production of thesyncbook.com. More information about the work of Mr. Ferguson can be found at thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com. Uh, for more information about the SyncBook, our guests, to check out past shows, or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like to support the show, we thank you in advance. You can find the, no- the donations links under each episode on the website. Uh, and we feel very humbled for the ones who have already contributed. Next week, our look at the global state of affairs. Uh, we look.
1: Next week, our look at the global state of affairs <laughs> in the information age continues as we address the funeral at the end of history with Camille de Toledo.
0: Don't miss thank it. Thank you. We'll fix that later
2: drop and drop that was great hey my thank you yeah and i really look forward to the next <laughs> <video. laughs> awesome thanks a lot drop and drop and make to speech first of all one thank my
0: the cane. bullet wounds stop your buffoonery. thanks to the pastor rapping at your eulogy The little kim and them you know the women friend who carry the word cross-state for a gentleman
2: yeah thanks to all the hustlers and most importantly you the customer the rock boys in the building tonight oh what a feeling i'm feeling like you don't
1: even gotta bring your paper out be the dope boys of the year who drinks is on the house the rock boys in the building tonight Killing this ice You don't even gotta bring your purses out We don't do
2: boys the Drinks is on the house